Hello, Professor Yusi Shen. It's good to see you I, again. It's a great pleasure as always, Pierre. Good to see you, and I hope and you're well. You, yeah, I'm well. I'm well, thank you. And how are you doing? I'm okay, thanks so much. It's a kind of lockdown there on your end of the world. It is not an, uh, the, you know, we had several rounds um, of uh, lockdowns and uh, opening and the government, I think, uh, is not so uh, well equipped to deal with the situation, the way they interpret the condition. They move between um, hysteria to confusion. So you can see how the decision-making processes are not really uh, good ones. And they're all kind of like uh, intertwined with personal issues of the prime minister, who is also, um, as you very well know, involved in a very shaky coalition. And they also uh, is, um, uh facing charges of corruption which will be uh started to be reviewed by the courts in february so everything is somewhat in the same pile and then the international arena so um but things are moving in the middle east arena which is interesting and good you know since yeah. we spoke um after the deal with uae and bahrain and now with sudan and uh other things are coming, but everybody's also waiting for the American elections exactly a week from now. Uh, hopefully yeah. we will have the results because America in itself is a, in a turmoil of sorts and no one knows what will happen. Mm. So um, all of this mm. will certainly impact everything that uh, we're doing also geopolitically. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. And. Um, by the way, uh, as you mentioned, and uh, uh, the developments about with the normalization relationships with Israel, it is growing day by day. It's it's like a fashion now. It's becoming a fashion now. I... Now Oman is in the list, and then I just uh, heard that Djibouti is also working on it, and. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I think that I think that many people understand, you know, the 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 old rivalries. Not that they have exhausted themselves, but it, they were they they were in many ways were manufactured in in a sense around one theme, um, and uh, the theme of the Palestinian uh, Israeli conflict, which is still an outstanding issue, of course, but. I think that what happened is that after so many years of bloodshed and rivalries within the Arab and Muslim world, um, and the, I don't have to tell you the bickering of Shiites and Sunnis and what happened in Syria, we talked about it in Iraq, and with the presence of Iran vis-a-vis -vis Saudi Arabia and the Gulf countries, many people kind of awakened to the fact that maybe they have been taken hostage to a much minor conflict, which got so much presence in world affairs. And the language was yeah. as if the Palestinian issue is the key issue for all the Arab and Muslim world, while they had other issues and everything was stymied because of that. 
And suddenly they mm. saw that the Palestinians themselves don't know what they really want of themselves and are bifurcated, etc., etc. And the world is moving mm. and things are continuing. And when there was a kind of an awakening to this condition, uh, people starting to rush into it to say, look, what are we doing? We have to take care of ourselves. And this is what's happening with the UAE and Bahrain. You will see tens of thousands of Israelis, tens of already booking hotels in, 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 in um, UAE and Dubai uh, for, for Christmas break or for uh, vacation. And um, the uh, deals are being cut with the high tech industry and billions of dollars. People say, why we haven't done it before? We did do it to some degree, but we haven't. Of course, there is also the yeah. element of the American administration, which was vehement about pushing it. And then, as we said, the, the, the condition in the Middle East itself. There is no reason Saudis will not talk to us and not be with us. I mean, uh, then just as much as we spoke before, there is no reason that the Pakistanis will not start to talk to us. Yeah, of course. The day before yesterday, I was discussing this matter with our friend uh, online, with uh, your colleague and your friend, uh, Dr. Michael Brock. I was saying yes. him that uh, we have serious conflicts with India. We have uh, fought three, four wars with India. But still, we believe that uh, our issues will be resolved on table talk or table talk. So directly, you don't have any conflict with Israel. Yeah. And, Why and not uh, have a, a relation? And if you and me have differences, uh, uh, Professor, you, uh, you see. So now in this uh, era and in this modern world, we have to sit together and talk about those differences, talk about our issues. Yeah. And that is the, that is the way to go forward now it's 21st century you one cannot just uh, uh, be in the state of denial that okay dr yusishin because i have uh, some reservations and differences with you so i don't recognize your being that is not the way anymore i think that uh, i have is... to recognize that there a personality, Dr. Yusi Shane. Yes, I have the differences. So let's sit together and talk about our differences and let's uh, create a way or path for peace. Look, as you very well know, there were so many or still vilifications, um, demonization. Um, things which had to do with all kind of like uh, mythologies and, 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 and stories and whatever. And uh, if yeah. you are caught in them and if you are nourished by them and if the leadership is directing them uh, towards you, uh, so that's what happened. It's, it's very tough to change it. And the pictures that you are seeing are very skewed. These are the pictures that you are kind of like almost automatically trying to watch without understanding what's going on. If I, if, if I will be, if, 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 if Pakistan will be described to me only as uh, an extreme state of Islamic yeah. extremism, 
dominated by Al Qaeda and so on. So th- if this is the picture I have, and I know I, I know I know very much otherwise, I uh, you know so I said okay, and since we are far away and so on, and but uh, we are much smarter than that. We understand, and we have to be careful in our words, and um, and generous with our patience, and uh, and start to understand how much is truly connecting us. And um, it's not going to be done overnight because politics has its ways and those who have been um, uh, exposed to such vilification for too long and are, are caught in an ideology or leadership that is not ready to do it will try to sabotage it. So you have to do it smartly. And, um, and it goes on all sides. You have to do things smartly and understand that there are mutual interests to begin with. And that's what happened with the UAE. And that's what happened now with Sudan. I'm not saying immediately people fall in love with each other. It can happen too. But you go gingerly into the relations. You see what you get, what you don't get. And and secondly, you start to recognize the other as a human being. You don't dehumanize them. You don't kind of like see them as villains, and as evils, you know, as people are often described, you know, because when you... When you act like that, or you see the other side acting vis-a-vis yourself to the the arrivals, you are in a different position. Uh, you know, all of it is known. We know these things. I agree. I agree. And by the way, Doctor uh, Musician, as you have lots of experience in diplomacy, I wanted to ask you one thing: What are the not on the state level or the government level. I am not a part of government. I'm not a part of state, but I am a Pakistani, very much Pakistani, own my country, love my country, uh, passionate about my country. What should be the mayors or what should be the tools people like me and you adopt to go towards normalization of our relationship? I think there is an interest. I got a phone call the other day from one of the ministers in the government asking me about the talks with you because oh. he read it in the because he read it in the Israeli paper. Remember, there was it was covered by the Israeli paper, and yeah, yeah. Um, and I told him about it, and he was very excited about the prospects. Um, yeah. And uh, someone has to make a move. Now, these moves can come in several ways. One is like the discussion we start now and people are exposed to our conversation and tune up and, you know, start to see. Then we enlarge the circle. We can enlarge the circle Mm. with other intellectuals, with uh, professionals. Mm. For example, Mm. we have lots of uh, conversations with people on COVID right now around the globe. So people want to study from each other. We are now in a very uh, advanced stage of developing a vaccine in Israel, we just learned. So there is of course uh, almost um, a contest who will develop it first, but we have very good, I think, chance to be leading the way. So, uh, you know, our health system, we can talk about health system, we can talk about things which are not um, seem, seem to the other as uh, touching the nerves all the time. 
And then mm. define, start to define what are these nerves? What are these nerves all about? Where do they come from? Why? Uh, each and uh. our region and our states is uh, still vulnerable to lots of things. One should not uh, underestimate the, um, yep. the um, difficulties ahead. You know, we still have uh, a war on our mm. border with Gaza almost on a daily basis. One should not forget that. And the Islamic movement of Hamas, which controls Gaza, uh, still holds that Israel should not exist and they will never yield and so on and so forth. So this is something that has to be that you cannot ignore reality also. But despite the fact that the Gulf countries have supported Gaza and so on, um, when they uh, decided to move with Israel, and the people of Gaza were trying to boycott them or to say you cannot act like that. They were very uh, angry about it. They said to the Palestinians, you are um, uh, um, people who do not know how to thank us. We give you money and support you and you tell us how to behave. You are why? So um, I think that the Palestinians are also listening. They seeing, they see that you cannot, you know, like just uh, develop their own mindset that we have to have an, an eternal rivalry with Israel and, and because mm. the Palestinians started to burn the flags of the UAE or to mm. the flags of Sudan and so on, said, what? We gave you, and, and you see what happened now with the, um, uh, the, the um, uh, Mr. Bandar in Saudi Arabia who gave this very elaborate interview, uh, was the ambassador of, of mm. Saudi Arabia in Washington, condemning the Palestinians mm. of holding them hostage and, and, and cursing them because of their entering talks. I said, you know, after so many years when we give billions of dollars to you, you, you think that you dominate what we're going to think and do. So I'm not saying it requires fighting with the Palestinians. On the contrary, I think it requires to tell the Palestinians, come alone also. Start to think freshly. Start to put and, and, and maybe join us in an effort to unify this and start to see realistically what can be done. And once we move with... Arab and Muslim world into a posture of negotiations, deals, peace, agreements, they can become also much more efficient or effective in, in, yeah. in, in claiming on behalf of the Palestinians or speaking if they want or not to see it as a zero sum all the time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, I guess there is a possibility, there is a possibility to see the things with a different angle now. We have to change our angles now. It, it is like uh, deleting the old program from your memory and installing a new version of the program and uh, trying to see a, a, a new dimension of the possibilities. Yeah, I think, I think you need to change the mindset and try to be more honest each and one of us with your story that you tell because we tell stories we have a framework from within we think sometimes these are not just like falsifying stories sometimes are based on experiences and experiences are creating uh, fears and experience but also they create a certain framework which is very difficult to change so what we need is not just to change the story, we need to do two things, and that's a very delicate uh, balance. We need to act 
as a result of that, a little bit changing your story, act again, changing story, seeing how we evolve. Things are evolving. Mm. And it's not just that you move from, from righteous to villains. No, you don't. You basically say, okay, these are what it is. Let's see. We, we revise our thoughts. We rethink. We debate. We talk. We open a table in academia. We open a table in diplomacy. We share theater. We share soccer, football. Uh, you know, you have cricket. We don't. <laughs> you, we have lots of things, but so many things that can be done. We have diaspora people in the United States and can start to talk. Um, and uh, lots of things, many avenues and channels can open and they can open simultaneously. And yeah. then they start to build on each other. And it always, always requires that in the end of the day, the top leadership will be ready to do so and not uh, be afraid and, and, and take some courage and make a step. Once this happens, it really breaks the ice so quickly. Uh, and uh, sometimes it has costs. I will remind you that when Anwar Sadat was yeah. the first to break the path toward peace with Israel in 78, and he went and he made a bold move, which was a remarkable yeah. move. I remember it like it was today. This was the movie made in 19 in October 77, exactly today, as you wish, 43 years ago. And he landed in Tel Aviv, just landed. And I remember it like today, that people did not believe that he will come out of the airplane. Said, it can't be. Mm. They said, it can't be. I remember sitting there watching, said, will he get, really come out of the, of the airplane? It will be Anwar Sadat the arch enemy of Israel, the Egyptians. And then he came and people were starting to dance in the streets. Simple okay. as that. And he came to the Knesset, to the Israeli parliament and spoke to the people of Israel. And it was not not just conciliatory talk. He spoke harshly about this story and that, but they listened and they all stood up and cheered because he made a bold move. And Begin went to 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 to, uh, to uh, Cairo, and there's still negotiations. And they signed a deal against Begin has opponents at home, and Anwar Sadat had opponents in Egypt. Regretfully, he was assassinated, as you know, in '81 during the military parade. But this required such a bold move, and he did it. And um, so people have to have courageous leadership. And sorry for the camera, just a second. And courageous leadership is not always easy to come by, but it's um, it's really, but until you get to that point, you can do a lot of things, especially among nations like ours that never fought against each other. We didn't have any fights. We never had any no, fights with no. the UAE. We didn't have any, you know, we never had any, God forbid, things, you know, so it's much easier. The, the, there is no... Yeah. Uh, we, had, we had the alliance, by the way. Yeah. During the yeah. Cold War in Afghanistan, we had a good alliance. Yes. And so I'm saying, um, you know, people are not so invested. You know, in Israel, when I speak about Pakistan, so people know where Pakistan, but they're not invested in any enmity toward Pakistan. They don't, you know, they know that Pakistan, so, but they don't have any enmity toward Pakistan.
to understand, you know, those who those who are kind of like familiar with the world or are interested in the world. Not so many, you know, people are more going on the day-to-day -day life and not dealing with it. Uh, but um, yeah, I I think this is how it should go. And by the way, just hypothetically, I was thinking. Uh, let's calculate on the things. What Israel can offer Pakistan? I know technology is the first product which Israel can offer anyone. And then maybe quality education. You have wonderful universities. We have the highest number of youth in the world. So education can be a good thing to have. And uh, in the agricultural field, you are amazing people. We are agricultural land uh, facing the problems with water. And what? What more? I'll tell. I'll give you. I'll give you an example. Yeah. It's not a matter what Israel can give. I mean, there are lots of expertise here. Yeah. And there are lots of curiosity. Israelis are known for their curiosity and free spirit. So first of all, they are big travelers. I don't know if you know, but Israelis are one of the, the bigger travelers in the world. Israelis who in the age of uh, 21 are taking a year off and just traveled, all of them. You find them all over the place. You will see them in India. You will see them in Brazil. You will see them in Mexico. They're just like charting their way, like walking the world. They are interested because it's such a small country and the Middle East was not open to them. So just take, their, take a bag and go. My daughter travels all the time. She goes to Sri Lanka, she goes to India, she goes to Bali, she goes all the time. She goes to, she just get, they travel. This is kind of like almost, they love to travel and ex explore the world. Secondly, they have a uh, love of, um, of knowing other cultures and languages, which is nice. Thirdly, we have expertise, as you say, you know, like, like uh, look, Israel is a country known for lack of water. For years, I grew up, we used to shut the faucet. We used to have all the time these commercials that we are drying up, that we have only small lake in the Galilee and the, 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 there's no rain and, and there, there is no rain. We are like uh, almost in hysteria, right? So um, we grew up without any water. The, the, big, the big wars between Israel and Jordan and Syria were always about what will happen to the water because will the Syrian divert the Jordan River? Uh, will the Jordanians, you know, these are the questions they used to ask when I grew up. Um, lo and behold, over the years, because of lack of water, we became expert in desalination. And now we sell water. We sell water to Turkey, we sell water to this, we, we, we produce more water than we need. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Israel sells water because we have, we have so much water because we develop so much expertise in desalination. Um, we have we have shrunk our agricultural um, areas because of um, people became more high tech oriented and not agricultural oriented. But yet we develop such um, expertise in uh, um, in uh, growing products in the desert with all kind of like techniques. So we sell more mm. products abroad. For example, now we are selling avocado suddenly to Japan for the first time this week. Japanese oh. market needs avocado 
for all their sushi, whatever. Suddenly, Israel is exporting massive avocado. We export to Europe usually. So lots of things can happen, and it's not because of governmental policies. It's because of human ingenuity and free spirit, and, and, and that's why we are now um, so much, uh, once we open up to China in the last 15 years, most mm. of our things are going to be to, in, with China, we do with India, as you know, we do lots of businesses all over, and now with the UAE, we huge businesses, huge. Uh, with, uh, uh, so we, I'm sure that, uh, and medical um, yeah. facilities, so I'm sure that you have your own expertise, we have our own expertise, and yeah. we can benefit from each other. Yeah, true. And by the way, you just mentioned uh, in your, uh, about Turkey. There's a conception, uh, mis misconception, or it's, it's like that Israel had always bad relation with Turkey and Iran. We had historically, because as far as I know, before this Islamic uh, revolution, Iran was very close with Israel. Of course. And Look. Turkey, from the day first till date now, they are they are having good diplomatic ties with Israel. There's two things happened. You know, let's. let's Israel had very good relations with Iran early on uh, with it um, and um, had relations, you know, but Iran was controlled by the Shah and Israel had companies right. working in Iran early on already in the 1950s. They, it, we were a young state at that time. We we're dealing with real estate, lots of things. We had good relations, but the Iranian revolution um, of um, 79 marked Israel as the small Satan. America is the great Satan and Israel is the small Satan. And of course, mm. they blamed Israel for supporting the Iranian Shah and so on. And ever since we have no relation whatsoever with Iran, we are mm. the nemesis of Iran who uh, time and again uh, promised to, do, to, to basically wipe us out of the map. With Turkey, mm. we had ups, you know, ups and downs. Um, Turkey, um, of course, its relation with the Middle East changed dramatically, um, mm. and it's changed also with regard to Europe. And in the last two decades, with Erdogan, he became quite mm. hostile to Israel. And mm. um, but the Turks themselves have good relation with Israel, so we have kind of like a very interesting. It's a, it's not a lovey kind of like dance. Suspicion is there. Because the mm. Turkish people really enjoy Israeli visitors and many Israelis travel to, to Turkey and so on and so forth. But Erdogan is having a different perspective on the Middle East. He condemns the Arabs and the Muslim countries who sign with the Middle East. But he also has big rivalry with the Arab states. He is the nemesis mm. of uh, Sisi in Egypt. He is uh, the man who now fights with Macron. He fights, he wanted to create an Ottoman Empire again. And in his vision, the Ottoman Empire had, uh, so he was stalking many of the radical movements. He was supporting them in the Middle East because he had his own vision about what he regarded as moving Turkey 
into more of, uh, let's say, an, an Islamic democracy within his vision. Uh, so that kind of created a rupture. But it's not a full rupture. It's um, the bureaucracies and the elites are all understanding that uh, we should not uh, break relations. They don't. The fact of the matter, they don't. Um, and what happened is, which is interesting geopolitically, um, in, the, in the past, as you very well know, Pierre, during the 60s, there was a whole what we call Third World Alliance. Yeah. And in the Third World Alliance, there were those kind of like who were with Third World countries and sometimes with or without the Soviet Union. The same. So we were the rivals in our region were Greece. Greece was Israel's rival as part of the uh, more socialist government. When Turkey, which is the arch rival of Greece, of course, historically, mm. uh, became hostile to Israel and so on, mm. the Greeks started to understand that we have to move toward Israel because Israel may protect us. And now we have a strategic and economic alliance with Greece and Cyprus, uh, mm. almost intimate relations. I just came back, I can tell you, from Greece two weeks ago. Uh, all the Israelis are in Greece. They don't go to Turkey. Those they go to Greece. Turkey is very upset about it. But we have amazing relations. And uh, the Greeks understand that Israel is a great alliance and with the United States. So things are changing uh, because um, people are opening, uh, opening their head and say, okay, uh, Israel has grew also. We're talking about a transformation which is remarkable in terms of population, in terms of wealth, and in terms of uh, strength, let's put it this way. Uh, we are no longer a very small country as we used to be. We are almost, we cannot be compared to you, of course, you are an empire in terms of population otherwise, but we still, we are consolidated 10 million people almost. It's not a small country. And uh, it's a mid-size mid in Europe. Um, and um, so, People have to reassess. And once we cross also the economic crisis of 2008 so well and no. came out on the winner's sides with no. the high-tech industry, uh, we just no. had new investments here by Amazon, for example, who is hiring here, and Google is hiring here, uh, and Microsoft is hiring. If you just... If you just drive through Tel Aviv, uh, you right. see that all the big companies are here. Uh, so um, there is a market. Hopefully, after the COVID, we will continue to prosper. Uh, so right. uh, people are thinking about it. Uh, and they also understand that these wars and rivalries and wars, they, don't, they didn't take them anywhere. They, didn't, they really didn't produce much. Think about what they produced in the end of the day what was achieved by being the enemy of Israel? What 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 did you gain in the end of the days? Nothing. It's not that it's not that we didn't lose. We lost. Yeah. Whenever someone is our enemy, you spend so much energy about defending yourself and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, Sometimes because of the security echelon, we developed uh, kind of like new technologies and by in biology and in in, in in sciences and so on. It's true. It was a vehicle. For the, for the military industry in Israel to create the high-tech industry. 
It's a direct connection, for example, in intelligence. Young Israelis who are serving in intelligence in the army today are the number one people on cybersecurity. So Israel was just declared the cybersecurity uh, 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 champion in the world in many ways. On No one second to us. I just have the data here. I'll show you that Israel produces 12% of cybersecurity in the world. Imagine. Imagine. This is such a small country. 12%. The Chinese produce 12% only, which is remarkable. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, here, I'll tell you, I have the percentage here. Uh, this is a, a this is a European Asgard Institute 2010 found that Israel ranks third in the world in the field of artificial intelligence with 11% of the world market after the United States 48% and China 12%. So these are, these are amazing numbers for such a small yeah, place. Exactly. Uh, so lots of things happened. Um, and I think the, 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 the intelligence speaks up, speak up, you know, like, uh, th this is what it is. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, Professor, you see, I would like to ask you about Azerbaijan as well. The situation is it's unpredictable there. Players are changed. Like <clears throat> Iran uh, is opposing Azerbaijan as Traditionally, they are standing with Armenia. Uh, Turkey is taking side of Azerbaijan. You are the strategic partners with Azerbaijan for so long. How do you see the situation as an Israeli expert? It's a very interesting question. You see, um, the whole relation with Azerbaijan, which is a Muslim state, um it's quite a fascinating story i'll tell you when we go back to history we see that in the 1990s when the soviet un union unravels um, lots of things opened up and people didn't know where they will open up and we of course were looking for all kind of connections armenia which is closer to us in terms of like we also have an Armenian quarter in the old city of Jerusalem and so on, yeah. and uh, the Armenian church and so on. But Armenia was part of the Soviet Union and started to come to be after the collapse of the Soviet Union as an independent state in Yerevan, um, uh, initially with Terpetrosian and then Kocherian. I was involved mm -hmm. at the time. Um, in my work on the diasporas and exile, it was very interesting to me with the Dashnak party. It doesn't any matter what it is, that we started to see what is happening. Uh, the alliances uh, shifted. Uh, mm -hmm. Azeris were open in Baku to us. They opened up in Baku during the uh, heydays of the, um, of the 1990s. And that became even more pronounced after the September 11 events um, and they kind of open up. Now the war in Nagorno-Karabakh happened, started in the 1990s. We had nothing to do. We, we were very far away from there. So we didn't have anything. But at that time, there were some Jewish Americans who were interested in the region, especially because of the pipeline. And there was a law of the pipeline there and uh, with the Congress and so on. And they opened up relations with Azerbaijan. 
which they recommended to the Israelis and the Azeris opened up their hearts. And ever mm. since there were relations with Azerbaijan. Interesting enough, Turkey is now helping Azerbaijan with enmity to us and we are friends with Azerbaijan, but we are not involved. The whole conflict in Nagorno-Karabakh in the enclave of Armenians mm. in Nagorno-Karabakh. Armenians also became closer to us. Uh, in the times of Kocherian and with some American more opening uh, things, we are not players. We just were trying to have good relations with other countries in the region. And Azerbaijan was an interesting one. Why it became kind of like an important state suddenly? Because of the enmity of the Iranians and because Iranians also have Azeris and the kind of Azeris on the border mm. of Iran. So people started to think that, wow, Israel is a friend of Azeris and Iran is the enemy of Israel. And this is, the... but again, I can tell you, Pierre, one of the things that you have to understand in Pakistanis, lots of people also about Israelis and sometimes about the Jews have fantasies as if we have global rich. We, we in some ways, I would say, we encouraged us such thought <laughs> historically. <laughs> even, when, even when we were powerless, we talked about ourselves as powerful. But, yeah. you know... One has to put oneself and say, okay, where we have, where we don't. You know, one should be, one should understand our size after all. We're not so small, but we're not so big. So sometimes, yeah. you know, we have some relations, but we are immaterial in Armenia or in Azerbaijani conflict. These are long-standing conflicts on the enclave. How will they be resolved? There's nothing to do with us. We are watching yeah. from afar. But whenever there is any report about maybe Israel saw the, this weapon, immediately they say Israel is involved. Well, it's, you know, there's so much uh, kind of like, um, it's part of our history, perhaps. It's really part of our history. And um, I teach this class today. I was teaching via Zoom. I don't know if I told you, I wrote this book called The Israeli Century, yeah. The Israelization of Judaism. Because we, as a people of exile and diaspora, I asked the question, <clears throat> after 2,000 years, suddenly becoming the people of sovereignty and the people of nationhood, which is quite interesting. And zeroing in on our nation and our nation state and restoring our ancient ties to Jerusalem and to the, to the patrimony of the King David and Solomon and so on. And we ask about these things, about what happened in between, about perceptions and misperceptions. Why, why we were such a relations with the Christians and with the Muslims as the people who basically envision the Almighty as the world as, as the God of history. And that is what we're trying to explain. And how how it gave us a certain position in the world, but also vilified us because others inherited supposedly our uh, our ancient role. And so there's so much discussion about us because we are always kind of trusted in the dramas of world history, notwithstanding mm. the fact that we were really very small players or even not at all wiped out, completely mm. irrelevant. Uh, but the the legacy remains, and sometimes the legacy legacies are much larger than life, as you know. They are kind yeah. of like creating life of their own. Yeah. Thank you. So, Dr. Yusi, uh, I'm really thankful for your time. And uh, by the way, if the minister calls you again, 
pay him my regards ask him i would love to have him on my show in this interview if he likes and maybe that's an opening of a new door i certainly will tell him but i can tell you also it doesn't call me too often <laughs> i think so, that they, I, guess, I, think, uh, I think after they saw the article in the newspaper so there was kind of an interest yeah i think right now they are complete mm. all of them are kind of engaged with uh, the the fight of covid uh, 19 because yeah. the government may government may collapse because of not delivering work mm. and unemployment is growing and the lockdowns and the mm. the the, uh, the mayhem or I don't want the mayhem but the 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 uh, the uh, I, I would say the chaotic situation that we went into and the government failed in the second round in dealing with covid and now they have to pick up the pieces and the opposition as you know in democracy is also in the streets and demonstrating mm. and so on so i don't know what will happen uh but um, i promise you if he by the calls, way in this regard we can help you by the way in this regard pakistan can help is right pakistan is one of the countries who have fought the covid situation very well so tell us i would be delighted to learn but uh, the policies were made by our prime minister so again i don't have an access to my prime minister directly but of course I guess uh, they should uh, share their experience with the world because they have done a tremendous job. They have done a tremendous job. Uh, now we are uh, expecting a second wave of COVID, but again there is a full campaign on full swing. They are telling everyone to have. Uh, distance to have uh, precautionary measures and they are they have done really a fantastic job and i guess uh, they can help uh, not only israel but the world by sharing their experiences and uh, their knowledge about how they they fought with it on the same time we have fought with terrorism in in the best way in the history of the world in last 20 years pakistani forces pakistani government pakistani state defeated terrorism within 20 years otherwise we know and who knows better than you that terrorism is such a chronic problem when it appears it doesn't go just like that it takes long time to get fixed but pakistan has uh, done tremendous job in in fighting against terrorism and now preventing the nation from corona what we are i'm sure the the people here would love to learn and i'm sure you have lots to offer and yeah. um one thing i can assure you peer um as i suggested early on that um once we zero in on a subject it can be one subject yeah. it can be covid it can be the fight against terrorism and we can mm -hmm. assemble experts and people will speak and you enlarge the circle mm -hmm. of people who are and once the borders are opening up and things the 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 speed 
in which these things can happen if there is goodwill and good leadership as i said yeah be really uh, surprising yeah. uh, but that requires yeah. um surety understanding and um it's not it has to be you don't have to take it um you have to plan it don't you know mm. you have to plan it because there will always be spoilers spoilers yeah. are always, yeah. always have the ability to to be interjected into situation and very quickly destroy them so um but you can do it yeah we can do it and we see that it's being done elsewhere we hope it will be cultivated more as i said the geopolitical arena is very critical we will all wait for the results of the next election in america and where america is standing and its position was always critical both in your region and our region mm. um and it's not so you know we see what's going on in america right now so um yeah. we we have to keep hoping and um and we continue to talk yeah for sure and i'm i'm um i'm sure about two things at least one my own commitment uh with peace and second my invitation to you thank you to be my guest in pakistan <laughs> i can't wait i told you you open up i'm coming <laughs> yeah you're more than well you're more than well okay dear thank you thank you thank you Take thank you and Send always, my best, send my nice best to regards to, to all, all the and all the good wishes. Thank you. Same here. All the best. Bye bye.